Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're talking Utes in the Rose Bowl, the season, coaching changes, everything happened under the sun with the Utes. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. What is up, guys? It's been a while. Football season is gone, and I'm sad. But it was a long season. It so was a was long good. season. Just ask Cam. It was a long season. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long season. It was a good season, honestly. It was a a lot of fun and having the new renovations to the stadium um completed for this season. And one thing I've noticed, I don't know why I'm going off on this topic cuz we this is nothing we've planned. I miss the energy of Rice Cycles already. <laughs> don't you guys like oh, there's a, sure. there's a feel in there that I, I'm missing. I, I miss hearing the number one student section in the country, the Taco <laughs> Bell bean burrito winners. Bean burrito winners. I, I hope they got bean burritos. <laughs> no, I miss Rice Eccles, but I'm excited to get back into Rice Eccles. Next year, we can see that Pac-12 champions banner flying in the wind. That'll be sweet. But I'll tell you, as much fun as Rice Eccles is and probably one of the best home field advantages in the Pac-12. But all three of us were at the Pac-12 title game, which was a serious home field advantage in an NFL stadium. That was so fun. And then Scott and I had the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, no one wants to hear about that. And, Boom. and that was and, something else, baby. Oh, my gosh. I It was probably 70 to 80% Utah fans in a packed rose bowl and it was it was phenomenal and cam we're not we're not trying to rub any salt in the wound because you weren't there by any means but to to do it to do it justice how that experience was of the rose bowl i mean it was it was next level it was it was probably one of the the best sporting events i've ever attended really yeah so i haven't talked to you guys really about it just a little bit here and there uh, so I am curious to kind of get your thoughts of it. I made it to the, I made it to Vegas and that was fun. That was, I mean, I'm blowing out Oregon and you're right. It's always going to be fun, but that was just a fun experience to be there with Utah fans in Las Vegas. Everywhere you looked was, was just red. How did that, how does that compare to what the feeling was like Pasadena? A lot more red in Pasadena. <laughs> oh, for well, sure. Because of Ohio state. No, because there was way more Ute oh. fans. I mean, it was, you know, granted there's, you know, it's hard to d- determine exactly how many Ute fans were there. There's there's numbers of, of high 60,000 Ute fans in attendance at that game. And and after spending the day down there and the, the you know, the day leading up to it and the traffic coming home and going <laughs> down, it sure felt like there were 60,000 Ute fans down there. I mean, it was... That experience, we we got to, we got to the to the Rose Bowl Stadium about about nine a.m. and just literally spent the day there, and it was it was crazy. At nine a.m., there were so many people there already. It was just you mm-hmm. show up bright and early. If you went to if you went to the parade, everybody came over right after the parade. It was just jam packed all day long, and it was just red as far as you could see. And it wasn't Ohio State red. It was Utah logos everywhere. And you want to know why? If you, if, you were, if you were trying to buy any merchandise for Utah, it was nearly impossible. <laughs> they were running out of 
all the good looking stuff and Ohio State had all the merchandise in the world because nobody was buying them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was I mean, the whole experience from from the pregame stuff. You know, the they had like a fan fest with different types of vendors and food and then and that's all inside the gates and then you go into the stadium and it was just uh, I don't know. You're right. It was something you probably hope to experience that again in your lifetime. But well, was- I mean, if you set the scene right from from what has always been talked about at the Rose Bowl is it's a New Year's Day game. It's that perfect time slot. It's that beautiful weather. They always talk about the sunset on the San Gabriel Mountains, and then you get there and you actually experience it. And and you experience it in a sense where there were so many Ute fans there that anything good happened for Utah. It was just this roar that was just awesome. Especially the Covey kickoff return. Oh, oh my gosh. That place was insane. But it was just, just the setting in general and knowing we're in the mother. <laughs> we're in the Rose Bowl. Like, I literally... Leaned over to Ryan a couple times during the game. And I was like, "We're playing in the Rose Bowl." Yeah, you grow up watching that game every year on New Year's Day, and you think how cool it'll be to Utah. But when we were kids, it, that wasn't even like in your thoughts. Like Utah's never going to play in this. No, we game. want we wanted like the Copper Bowl or the Freedom Bowl <laughs> when we were kids. And and yeah, to to get in that game, and then you see Utah run out on the field. The pageantry of the Rose Bowl, the setting, and then and then you're playing arguably one of the best opponents in college football in Ohio State. I mean, it was just it was it was awesome and uh, definitely an experience I'll never forget. And 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 just outside the environment and the atmosphere, though, the game itself was fantastic, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I mean, and obviously we'll get into that and, and kind of how that went, but. I mean, it was it was, and again, not to not to rub salt in the wound there, Cam, yeah, but it yeah. was. But we will. <laughs> but it was pretty dang good. So I do have a question, and not having gone, obviously going for the for Utah to make the Rose Bowl is a great accomplishment, right? I'm not taking that away, but now that they've done it, does that change expectations? If or when they go again. Oh, I think, In your minds, having gone there as fans, what is are there different expectations now if once they make it again, is it good enough just to go? Well, I mean, I think that kind of, you know, could depend somewhat on your, uh, um, the team that year, your opponent, and, and just how that season goes. But, I mean, I look at it a lot, how, how Utah won the South, right? 2018, Utah finally breaks through, wins the South, finally get a play for a Pac-12 title. And it was kind of like, yeah, we want to win this thing, but it was like, at least we're here, right? At least we mm-hmm. made this game. Then you lose and you go back in 2019, and it was immediately, all right, we don't want to just be here anymore. We want to win this thing. See, Obviously, it didn't happen. That's exactly where my mind has been going with that. And I actually was thinking, too, like the Vegas Bowl. Remember, there's is it two years Utah didn't go bowling back to back seasons, and then they finally made it back to a bowl game, and it was the Vegas Bowl against Colorado State. Like whoop de doo. But I think as a fan base, we were just excited. Hey, they finally made it back to a bowl. And then I was thinking about the Pac-12 championship games that you called out, right, or Scott? Do you think that's going to happen with the Rose Bowl now? Is it good enough just to sh- make it to that game, or do they need to win it now? Oh, you you you, you got to win it, right? And and to get where Utah wants to get, you got to win that game. Here's here's my take. Utah did just as much good from the outcome of that game as a, as a win would have done. I'm not trying to take away. I'm not trying to say, oh, let's uh, you know worry about these hypothetical moral victories or anything like that. But the talk nationally after that game, nothing negative about Utah. Nothing negative about coming up short. Mm-hmm. It was what an, what an environment that was, what an amazing game that was. 
It was voted as the second best game of the 2021 season. And, I mean, you factor all of those things in, and Utah went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the country, the most talented offense in the country, and and w- was doing it with a running back at the corner spot. <laughs> I mean, it was... Utah proved a lot, I think, to mm-hmm. hopefully this fan base, but I think nationally, what type of a program they are. And yeah, obviously winning that game would have been huge to to bring home that trophy, to be able to use that in, in recruiting moving forward. But at the end of the day, everybody saw that game, and everybody now knows how it went, and, and Utah, Utah came out of that with a ton of respect. I think you've got to use this as a as the as part of the process. If you kind of look back over Whittingham's tenure as head coach, everything he's done has taken time and a process to get to it, and it took time to build this build the players you needed to compete at the Pac-12 level. Then you get those players. Then you would finally win the South. Then it took a couple of years to win this to win the actual Pac-12 championship. Now you get to the Rose Bowl. I mean, not saying that you're going to get to the Rose Bowl every year, but there there's steps, and and he, he 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 clearly he knows what he's doing to get to those next levels. And and sure, I think there's an expectation, and there probably should be an expectation from the fan base. You guys have done this. Now it's almost expected. I'm gonna say on year to year basis because that's not gonna happen. Even even if they have a fantastic season next year, somebody else might have a good season and just beat us out. You you never know how that's gonna play yeah, out. And, and but, we've talked about that uh, on other episodes, right? With the Pac-12, how long has uh, have teams gone without going to the Rose Bowl? Oh, for sure. I mean, Arizona for eternity. <laughs> Well, no, and it's UCLA, it's their home field, and it's been like 22 years since they've played in the Rose Bowl. So it's awesome to be there, and it's it's an accomplishment to be there for sure. And, and I, if they went, if, if Utah goes again, I don't think who, whoever the opponent is, I would pay the money to go again because just how of what it is and where it is and well, and here's another thing to to keep in mind with the future of college football, especially in the postseason, it's changing. Mm-hmm. Especially if the if the playoff is expanded, whether that's to eight teams, twelve teams, whatever that number is, the rose the rose bowl is going to be associated with that. And there's there's legitimate talk that the rose bowl may not continue on New Year's New Year's Day and in the same time slot. That it's been traditionally. So one aspect I think, as as a Utah fan base, how lucky we are that we got to experience at minimum at least once a true Rose Bowl experience, and not something on New Year's Eve or on the third of January. You know, once once it's involved in the playoffs or something like that, or it's a night game or whatever, because it's going to change. And uh, I. I I just, I just think it's awesome that we were able to experience a true Rose Bowl experience, at least before maybe some of those changes are coming because they're they are they're coming. All right, that's you know your guys' thoughts of of the experience of the game. Um, I'm ready to kind of jump in, really talk about this game. Uh, we're gonna take a break when we come back. Let's talk Utes and Buckeyes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Utes fall short to the Buckeyes, forty-eight to forty-five in the Rose Bowl. Who would have thought forty-five would not have been enough to win? <laughs> Based on the halftime score, I thought we would have scored more than forty-five. Well, we we uh, we didn't score a ton in that uh, second uh, half. Utah scores ten points in that second half, uh, but Cam Rising, heck of a game, seventeen of twenty-two. 
Yeah, he and he had that long touchdown run on fourth down. I, I know we kind of talked to, in before the game. I thought Utah was going to s- stick with the run, kind of establish that early. Well, and and, and, he, and Scott, you called me out, and and you thought no, they're going to kind of throw the ball around a little bit more. I have to say, for for once in the eight years we were doing this, <laughs> you were. A little bit more right than me. A little bit more right. Well, well clearly they saw something in Ohio State's secondary. Secondary they could exploit because their their front four, especially big dudes. Oh yeah, and they and we couldn't really establish a, a decent running game. Well, and, and that was the disappointing thing to me is yes, you had some big plays, obviously Cam Rising with that big run, and you had you had a couple other decent runs throughout the game. But again, yeah, we didn't establish. Tavion did not go off by any means, mm-hmm. and uh, but that success came through the through the passing game, and uh, that 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 was the only as good as our offensive line had been playing, and you saw what Michigan was able to, to do running the ball against Ohio State to, to close their season. So I was I was a little surprised we didn't have more success running the ball. And I think had we been able to do that, then that second half goes a lot different. Because there's no doubt about it, Utah got conservative in that second half. We didn't throw the ball nearly as much, um, and it wasn't. We just didn't have those aggressive play calls that we had to start the game and and throughout that first half. And um, you know, ultimately, obviously, Ludwig, there was there was things he was seeing and 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 their game plan. I don't know. I mean, we kind of saw the highs and lows of special teams in oh, in, oh that, in that game. That, that was the difference. The the punter dropped the snap. That's the difference in the game. Well, and and that comes on the heels of Phillips getting a pick in the end yeah. zone. Yeah, that, that I think that was big because Utah didn't capitalize. What Utah was not able to capitalize on the turnovers. Yeah, it, it basically negated that uh, that pick. Because they scored three plays later, mm-hmm. so you didn't even really lose much time off the clock or anything like that. Um, now, now, granted, with what Ohio State was doing offensively, even if you get that punt off and you and you move them back to the thirty-five yard line, they're probably still going to score on that <laughs> yeah. series. But maybe you drain, maybe you drain a few more minutes, maybe only thirty more seconds, <laughs> considering how fast they were scoring on us, but. Um, but th- there was no doubt about it. That was a backbreaker, and that gave them momentum in that second half. So I think one maybe controversial, if you want to call it that, uh, Rising goes down late in the fourth quarter, and Bryson Barnes comes in as the backup, not Jackson. I think everyone was pretty shocked. What was it like? At least on TV, everyone and social media was shocked. Well, how was it in the stadium? I kind of expected, I expected Jackson to be the one coming out, but during that timeout, I could see him on the field without his helmet on. I'm like, well, it's not going to be him. No, and, Bar- and Bar- Bryson was, and, and we've seen it throughout the year, right? Bryson's the one relaying plays in mm-hmm. um, and kind of more engaged on the sideline than what you've seen out of Jackson. You know, there's speculation out there, was Utah holding Jackson to preserve a redshirt year? You know, and you've also heard things that no Bryson just beat out Jackson for the number two spot, which wouldn't surprise me the way he performed in that game under that kind of pressure. Yeah, I mean, if if he if he can come in with literally his first action as a collegiate football player is in the Rose Bowl late in the game with the game on the line in front of nearly a hundred thousand people, and perform like that, okay, then you know what? Maybe he flat out just beat Jackson. In the competition. He, he did a zone read, read it perfectly, picked up a first down, and then threw a strike to Kincaid to, for the tying score. I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and then and, and the, and the play before it throws a, um, throws a ball that led to the PI that set up, yeah, that set up yeah, that touchdown right. right after. But yeah, it was a beautiful, just perfect mm-hmm. touch, allowed, allowed him just to run under it. I mean, in that setting... You go back, and obviously at the time we weren't able to hear the call from uh, from ESPN, but uh, but then you you hear that call and just how I mean, what a moment for that kid to uh, to be put into the spotlight, probably never expecting to touch the field, and he he has a chance to rally Utah to beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean that was that was a story storybook, but. But after that touchdown, Ryan, you remember 
I turned, I turned Too to much you time. <laughs> and I, and I just yelled to everybody around us, anybody got confidence that we can stop these guys? <laughs> well, and then it, it made me mad because it seemed like on every kickoff, they were short and Ohio state was getting great field position. And, and to your point, Scott, it, I don't know if Utah's defense could have stopped them anyway from marching down, but at least make it a little bit harder. I swear they started that last drive around Almost midfield. midfield. Yeah, yeah. Was... they started at the forty, so they had great field position, and 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 they just moved the ball at ease. I mean, it wasn't like we we never even got them into third down on that drive. Mm-mm. And there was a lot of downs or a lot of drives we didn't get them into third down outside of the first couple of drives of the of the game. And so, you know, they I mean they were prolific. I, I was a little surprised. Now, granted, I, you know, I preface this by saying, you know, I'm no football X's and O's coach, nor do I know a fraction of what these coaches do. But I was a little bit surprised with how our defense lined up and played throughout the game with very little adjustments. With the amount of success that they were having throwing the ball deep, we stayed in a one safety look all night. I'm really surprised we didn't go to two safeties deep. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know enough about X's and O's to to know the difference, but yeah, I would agree that there wasn't there wasn't a change in looks or strategy, at least what it appeared. It's so, like they stayed in this base defense. Um, maybe it was to. They were trying to make sure that they weren't going to get run uh, run on, but and they did. They stopped the run they, fairly well. They did well. pretty good, and mm-hmm. and and I've heard that, and and it does make sense that keeping that extra safety in the box helped contain the run. But when you were getting absolutely destroyed in the passing game, you would think you'd be willing to give up a little bit in the run game. Well, especially when you stop have that. that guy who's never played corner since high school back there. You <laughs> think you'd want to give him some help? Well, and it. I mean, it, Ohio State wasn't doing anything special in their passing game. Like well, no, honestly, they were—they're just athletes. They're, no, they are unbelievably. I'm fast. not taking anything away from them. C.J. Stroud is a, a phenomenal. Oh, quarterback. I mean, those balls were perfect. He threw for almost 600 yards against the Utah defense. Like, yes, with even with Bernard at corner. That's still remarkable to do that in a Division One football game against a P5 and you know what? or P5 team. If Clark Phillips doesn't save the day twice, Stroud has two more touchdowns. Excellent point. But but I just don't know if a, another safety would have been. No, oh, yeah. I, it, it may, it, it not, may have. not have. And and obviously, you know, Scally and Witt, they went in with a game plan because they thought that gives you the gave Utah the best chance to win. And they, they had their reasons behind it. I just, I when Bernard gave up a couple of deep passes and one for a touchdown, literally the very next series, you saw Vontae Davis started pretty shallow. And at the snap, he sprinted deep over Bernard to give Bernard help over the top. And as as he did that, the the Ohio State wide receiver broke it off and did a quick little slant caught it between them, and then still ran to the end zone. And as you watch that, you could just see, I mean, Ohio State was just at another level. Mm -hmm. They were literally making moves based off of our moves instantaneously. When I say they weren't doing anything special, they weren't like trick plays. They weren't all these like trick routes or anything like that. They, it was really just their talent. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Flat out their, their talent won, but it was a three point game. And oh, yeah. as a Utah fan, that's going to make you pretty excited of how depleted Utah was and how great Ohio State is. And it came down to a field goal at the end of the game. And it also goes back, it really just shows what an amazing first half Utah played. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you throw in the Covey kickoff return, which was a phenomenal return. Um, and then broke, literally broke two dudes' legs. Literally. Literally. Can I also say that I said Utah had to have a defensive or special teams touchdown you did to say play that. in this game? And Scott said, no, they don't need to. So well, maybe it, I should take my kudos away from you. Technically, it didn't matter. They still lost camp. <laughs> but they were in it. <laughs> they were in. I didn't say they would win if that happened. I said they would be in the game. No, they well, and obviously, the and that, that kickoff return 
was literally happened in the span of what five touchdowns in two minutes. Yeah, that was <laughs> I mean, crazy. The, that and, was and that's that 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 flow of the game made it amazing because it was literally Utah's going crazy. Thirty seconds later, Ohio State just makes it so easy in one or two plays. They go the length of the field and score. Oh, and Utah came right back and answered, and it was just like that for literally five touchdowns and two minutes of gameplay. Yeah, both teams scored 21 points in the second quarter. That is, that's just nuts. That's, yeah, a lot of I, records in that game that were broken. That's like the home run derby in the All-Star <laughs> game, right? <laughs> well, it kind of it had a feel, the, sh- the start of the Sugar Bowl. So I went to that game, and, and leading up to this point, that Sugar Bowl game is probably the most exciting, greatest experience that I've had. And because obviously how Utah started that 21 going up 21 nothing in the first quarter against Alabama. And in that moment, it was kind of a very similar feel. You know, it was just like Utah just kept punching Ohio State in the mouth. Ohio State gets it, gets it to within one score. Utah says, nope, goes right back up to 14. And it was just like that throughout that game. And it just made it, it just made it such a fun atmosphere. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it's disappointing that Utah lost, but. It, and I've, I've, you know, after being a diehard Utah fan, you know, after losses, sometimes it can be demoralizing and it takes a while to recover. You're just bummed out. You know, I left the game disappointed, but not, not bummed out or mm-hmm. like I, like I had been in, you know, like the losses. San Diego State game. Oh, for sure. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yes, it, you were competing in the granddaddy of them all against the Ohio State University and you went right to the wire with them and that that's pretty cool a, a team that was very close to making it to the playoffs and competing for national championship and I'll tell you what they're better in Michigan oh yeah they are they're better in Michigan even without well, their two better top than, wide receivers they're better than Cincinnati play. no they're better in Cincinnati too and 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 granted, that was they did that without two of the two of their really good wide receivers, mm-hmm. you know. And that just goes to show how that game that game was a visual for the difference in recruiting between a Utah and even the Pac-12 in general and a true blue chip, blue blood program. They got they got studs everywhere that are. That are third on the depth chart uh-huh. and you saw it i mean it was amazing what the wide receivers who have been buried all year who have gotten very little snaps came out and looked like studs and they just they 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 just recruit that's why they're top three in the country every year in recruiting because of these classes that, that they pull in and it's to me it's even a bigger kudos to what kyle winningham and this team was able to do being undermanned across the board and being able to go in and pl- and put a performance up like that it was it was it was pretty special all right that's kind of our thoughts of the game and 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 really what could have been in this game and it came down right to the wire right to that last kickoff um scott i know you have heard some things r- regarding that what's going on well, Covey, Covey, you know, got on the radio and kind of explained what that last play call was on the kickoff when basically, you know, there I think there was only nine seconds left or there wasn't much time left on the clock. And after Covey ran, ran that t- touchdown uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, you notice they kept kicking it short. Mm-hmm. A couple of times it uh, went to Nephi Sewell who caught it. So going into this play, they were expecting it to be kicked short to Nephi as well. And and if if I'm remembering, I'm going off kind of memory uh, listening to Covey tell this, but the play was designed that it was Nephi was going to catch it and and he would start running with it and 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 Covey would be following him and he would throw it to Covey. Covey was supposed to go up towards the left sideline run run a certain distance stop and then throw it all the way back across the field 
where they would have blockers lined up on that far sideline to ultimately run it run it in. But uh, but they were a little surprised when they kicked it actually to Covey. It kind of threw things off a little bit. If you notice, he he ran to the left originally, and there was no blockers there for him. So he's kind of on his own, and that's when he got tackled. And uh, but if you also look, there's conspiracy theories out there. Covey was not down. He fumbled it prior to going down. And it appears he actually, he got back up before he recovered the ball and uh, had possession of the ball free. And if you look with what Ohio State was doing and where their players were, Covey may have been able to take it to the house had they not blown that dead. Oh, that's crazy. That would have been awesome. Crazy. Now, who knows? And, and you never know. Um, but whether he, if he's able to get free and then if he's able to at least pitch it to somebody else, can you imagine how that game would have ended if it would have ended on a touchdown like that? The kickoff return. Another. It literally would have gone down probably as the best game in the history of college football. Do you know what it reminded me of when you were just explaining it is the. Is it Cal Stanford? Yeah. The band the band on the field. Band on the field. <laughs> that would have been I mean, yeah, that would have been obviously obviously it would have been in our favor, so it would have been way <laughs> exciting. Uh but yeah, just the, the you, ha- I mean, can you imagine winning the game like that? That would have been awesome. I mean, it would have Rice or the Rose Bowl would have been torn to shreds by you fans <laughs> after that a game like that. That's I mean, that's too bad that it it didn't didn't give him an opportunity to at least attempt the trick play, but I guess you're you know you're relying on them to kick it to a certain place on <laughs> yeah. the field and a certain player, and you got to ad lib if that doesn't happen. And yeah. so it's too bad. It, it would have been fun to see them try to try to pull that off. Oh, for sure, right? Give get Covey on that sideline. All the attention's on him. All the defenders are coming to him, and then he just chucks it across back across the field. You think that's something they work on? Is that something they drew up on the sideline? Okay, this is our last ditch effort. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that they've got plays like that built in, and then you know maybe they're ablibing a little parts of it because of where they're expecting the ball to be kicked and things like that. I would suspect that they've got some plays built in for those moments when you need a kind of a miracle who who called that play was it Whittingham or was it Sharif <laughs> I think it was Sharif and and it was executed by Sharif <laughs> to the same level of Sharif all right uh we're gonna take a break when we come back we'll talk talk about the season and kind of our thoughts uh and review of the season kind of put a bow on 2021 All right, so the Utes go 10-4 and four in the 2021 season. A lot of highs and a lot of lows. <laughs> you can sum up this season. A season unlike any other. I mean... At least the lows were early. <laughs> but, I mean, you go back to that San Diego State game week three and how bad it was. It was awful. It was how on earth bad. did we get to the Rose Bowl? I mean, that in and of itself... The turnaround from early on in the season, the death of another player, and then this this team just turns into a juggernaut after that. I mean, Cam Rising, the offensive line, they all came together. I mean, it it's obviously to win the the, the first Pac-12 title for the University of Utah, to play in the Rose Bowl for the first time, this team will go down in history forever. But on top of it, you see what this team was able to overcome and accomplish. And, I mean, it's storybook. It really is. No, it really is like a Disney movie, if you you think about it. Because there's no way no one predicted after that San Diego State game that this team would get up to 11th in the country. Everybody wrote them off after that San Diego State game. Guys. We wrote them off. <laughs> well, of course we well, did. Well, you I two mean, did. Oh, please. I was still championing for Harding. Oh, my gosh. You talk Seriously. about a storybook ending. If Cubby would have run that last one back to win it, they would have made a movie. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the 30 for 30 would have started five minutes after the game, and Disney would have been signing contracts with Kyle Whittingham after that. Because, I mean, it was just, it, I mean, even even with a loss, it was just, it was a storybook. I mean, Bryson Barnes comes in, the pig farmer, and he just looks like a vet out there. It was insane just how that how that season went about. I mean, you look all the way back to September, and it feels like it was a year ago. <laughs> and the ups, the downs, just what this, what a ride. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you in a way, you hope you never have a season like that where a team has to go through the difficulty of losing another player. You got the you got the deaths, um, the death of Aaron Lowe mid season, and of course Ty Jordan's death, and then you start the season with what you think is going to be this outstanding quarterback who turns out can't do anything, and then quits on you, and quits, and then the backup comes in and leads you to the Rose Bowl. I mean, you can throw Cam into that. I mean, it's it, it's it's sad that Cam was not able to finish that game. Now. Even if he is, that game probably doesn't end any differently because Bryce or Barnes still ends up throwing that touchdown, so it probably doesn't change the outcome of the game. But it's it's unfortunate for Cam that he couldn't finish the mm-hmm. game after what he was able to do throughout this season. But he's he's etched himself into Utah football lore with the season oh, yeah. that he had. And just for sure, not just what he did on the field, but just what he was able to do to this team. And it's just like, it's almost like everybody in the fan base is just in love with Cam rising. (laughs) I mean, there's just something about him that just, you you just, you just want to cheer for, you just want to kind of follow him. I mean, you're right. But, and we don't even know him. No, we know him from a distance, but. If if that's how he has if that the if that's the effect he has on us, imagine how his teammates and especially feel the about tight him. end room. Well, and if you look at what they've done from a university standpoint of marketing him, with the Bad Moon Rising theme song when the offense comes out, him being in their like pregame promo, putting gas in the truck. Like he is, he's Utah football. He's right up is. there, right? And like I dare to say, if there was a Mount Rushmore of of quarterbacks in in this last, in at least in my lifetime of Utah football, you have Alex Smith, Brian Johnson. I'm putting Cam Rising up there, even though maybe he hasn't accomplished as what they did before they left. He doesn't have he's the longevity yet, but yeah, I mean, he 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 very well could be up there because he's done he's done some things that nobody else at the U has done. Now, some of those other quarterbacks haven't had the same opportunities to play in the Pac-12. But you know what? A Pac-12 title is worth a whole heck of a lot more than a Mountain West Conference title. Oh, for sure. Now, granted, yeah, we don't have, you know, Brian Johnson has that Sugar Bowl victory. Well, and, and Alex. You know, Alex Smith has the Fiesta Bowl. And it had and at that 2004 team been in the Pac-12, they probably would have won the Pac-12 that year. Well, USC did win the national title that year, so it would have come down to us in USC <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I mean, I, your your point still stands. At least at that point, Utah has a has a chance to go face a, a USC mm-hmm. team, right? Whereas we're just kind of left speculating, oh, who was really better? Because in in the college football at that time, well, and even present time, you really don't get a C. You know all all those matchups that maybe an expanded playoff would allow, but uh, but yeah, I mean if if Cam Rising can come down, Utah going into next season is the Pac-12 favorite, regardless of what USC is doing right now in the transfer portal and the hire the hiring of of Lincoln Riley. Utah is the favorite to to go back to back and win the Pac-12. Preseason rankings currently. Utah's as high as fourth in the way too early uh, top 25 for next year. The lowest I've seen them is ninth. Which is still awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're talking way too early, don't you have to at least throw Rising in as a Heisman candidate? Yeah, for sure. And and 
And that's where Utah's going to have every opportunity available to them next year to go and really make a statement. You start off, you're going to be probably top 10 to start the year, and you get to go play in Gainesville against Florida. SCC team right out of the gate. If you're already top 10 and you go on the road and you beat a Florida team, even if they're ranked or not ranked at that point, they probably won't be ranked. That's going to hold a lot of weight. And that's going to that that game 1 next year will position Utah for a, a wild ride potentially next year. Whether it's a Pac-12 title again or quite possibly a playoff run. That's what will cement, I think, Cam Rising's legacy here at Utah. A biggest surprise for a player this past season. It's it's got to be Cam Rising, for me at least. Even if we, I, I would probably agree because I think even if we thought, if anyone thought he should have been the starter, um, over Brewer. And then he didn't win it, and then came in and did what he did. I think that's got to be a surprise. Well, and, and I was I was a Cam guy from the get go, and then we get Brewer, and th- that love for Rising kind of got drowned out by the love and expectations that were being th- thrown around for what Brewer would do in this offense, right? Mm-hmm. And. And, it, you know, Tavion Thomas comes in and just, you know, sets a single season record for touchdowns. Well, I think that's a surprise, too, because that's, that, that kind of, nobody knew who he was. That's my biggest surprise is Tavion Thomas. Well, he was my breakout player. He was of, your breakout of, player of, of the year. You still didn't job. know who he was. <laughs> Good job, Scott. We didn't know exactly who he was, but we saw early in fall camp the hype that surrounded him. And then he lived up to it. Mm, I remember at the beginning of Not the season, early, he, he couldn't stay on the field because of his fumbles. Well, that's it. I mean, th- that's another turnaround um, because from not only the quarterback change, but from him essentially not being able to hold on to a ball the first three or four games of the year to where he ended up being the season single season touchdown leader. That's that's pretty amazing. Well, he only played in about full eight full games. And in eight full games, he had 20 touchdowns, right? Because he hardly played at BYU, and he hardly played at San Diego State, and then he sat out at, at Arizona. And, um, I mean, early on in the season, the running back position was Bernard's, and Bernard's only. Mm-hmm. Against BYU, he was the only guy that showed up in that game. And and then he gets injured, uh, kind of dings up his shoulder against San Diego State. And, and I, you know, you look back. And that that's the bummer about uh, I th- I think about that offense is Bernard getting that injury and then kind of losing his place and then kind of being third string really the rest of the way until we needed him at corner in the most important game in the history of Utah football. I mean, I'm 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 telling you, Bernard is Bernard's special. I when he's, he's healthy, he's he's got he's got speed. He's a, he's it, an all around running back. I think it says a lot about a kid's character. That he didn't bat an eye when they asked him to play corner in the Rose Bowl. Oh, yeah. for sure. Not only did he play corner, he still played running back. Yeah, yeah he still played and running back. I, he almost had a bigger role in the offense than Tavion did that, in that game. That catch on the wheel route for the touchdown was unbelievable. Scott Van Pelt says when that happened, I thought that was going to be the top number one play in the top 10. And then Smith and, and Jeeba doesn't stop making highlight <laughs> catches the rest of the game. But but honestly, if you, if you heard of that story, they approached Bernard about playing corner, and he didn't bat an eye. Uh, the dude hasn't played corner all year; doesn't know the defense. And oh, and you have to do against the top yeah, offense in the country. You're going to do it against the best passing attack in the country. And in this day of age of of college kids, when they don't get the reps that they think they deserve, and they bolt. I think it just speaks volumes of the type of oh, character sure. he is and really the type of player that Winningham wants in his program. So oh, you've yeah. got those He's t- a stud. You, you got those two coming back, and then you're going to add Glover. And Ricky Parks. I mean, I, I know it's early, and I don't know what, it, what Ricky Parks will be able to do, but let's not forget, he was a huge recruit when we got him. 
And he's just kind of been forgotten because of Tavion and because of Glover and getting Glover. I'll tell you, that that running back room is stacked. Quinton Ganther's got some studs for him to, to play with. Bernard has the body of a wide receiver. Maybe they, maybe they move him if, they're, if the running back team is that, running back room is that deep. And man, Kyle did say just this week on the radio that he's he's been moved back to permanently to running back position instead of and, corner, and that's where he, <laughs> and that's where he wants to to uh, be. There, there's been speculation that maybe you know he could be moved to corner permanently, but it sounds like he wants he's he's running back. He said he said as much, and now he has T-shirts that say "I'm a running back." <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a thought though, because you lose Howard, you lose Covey, right? Um, and he's got. He's got great hands and great speed. Oh, he does, and he—he, he, I mean, as good as 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 many good options as as we've got at the run game. Obviously, you never know what could pop up with injuries. But the thing about him is, he's great in the screen game. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Obviously, you saw that in the Rose Bowl. Um, and he's got great speed. I, I, I hope he's a big part of this offense moving forward, regardless of Tavion and whatever you see out of Jalen this year. But I will say one thing that we uh, that needs to be addressed going into next year is special teams. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Is okay. So, question: Is Sharif Shah your special teams coordinator? I hope. I hope not. I think so. He was a disaster. I I I I think he's he's still the coordinator, and maybe Winningham is a little bit more involved than he had been this past season. But but why do you want to have to hold the hand of a, one of your coordinators? There was speculation with the coaching changes that Utah would go out and just hire a special teams coach. I'm I'm all. Do you guys and remember when Kyle Winningham was a special teams coordinator? We were fantastic. Yeah, we're Andy let's Phil- go. Andy Phillips and uh, and Hackett. I'm convinced we we're Rose Bowl champions today if Kyle Winningham is the and, and you know what? We don't have four losses if Kyle Winningham <laughs> oh, is the special teams coordinator. Oregon State, two block punts. That's the difference in that ball game. Rose Bowl. You could argue that block or that dropped snap. That has nothing to do with Shaw. A punter dropping the ball has nothing to do with Shaw. He was nervous the blockers weren't going to block for him. <laughs> Cam, what does Kyle always say? We got to coach better. If the players aren't getting the job, then we got to coach better. Obviously, you got to make sure whatever, was it 58, 61? You got to make sure you, you know how to catch the dang ball. Jaden Redding, towards the end of the year, he, was pr- he did oh, pretty good at field goal kicking. He was a little off. Early in the year, Noyce can't kick it out of the freaking end zone. He can sometimes. He's so inconsistent, and whether that's a coaching, I think that's a coaching thing. I think it Kyle is because Kyle has to said place that. it up the two. Well, even Ohio State's kicker couldn't get it out of the end zone either. Maybe it was just a sea level thing that they couldn't kick it as far. But unless they're they had the same game plan, I can't imagine they're like, well, I kick it to Covey every time. Uh, well, I mean. But I do wish they would just kick it out of the end zone every time. I'm sorry. I don't care who the special well, actually I do care. Whoever this but whoever the special teams coordinator is next year, Kyle, throw the analytics out the window. Stop kicking it short for the handful of times it works in your favor. Because the handful of times it doesn't, it's a backbreaker. An absolute backbreaker. To have something taken to the house or... Or they start on the 50-yard line. start at midfield. Kick the ball out of the end zone. I don't care that I'm sitting on my couch and telling you this. <laughs> that, is the, that is the correct answer. Kick the ball out of the end zone. Find a kicker. Find a coordinator. And then find a kicker. That's all I care about. And a punter. My Lanta. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. There's been a couple of coaching changes uh, to the staff. Uh, the first one, Kyle McDonald taken off to Boo, USC. Boo, Kyle. Bye Boo. On. You don't go to a you don't go to a division rival. That, Who are you? And then post pictures of a sold out USC stadium. Oh, yeah. yeah, from <laughs> he wasn't even born last time USC I'm pretty sold sure out. It was photoshopped. But I will say, I'm pretty surprised. I was surprised. Um. That one took me by surprise. Uh, I know we were hearing about it a couple days before it happened, and 
I was like, that can't be true. That can't be true. Because I didn't really think he had any connections with, with Lincoln Riley. He's a Southern California guy. So maybe, I, you know, wanting to go I home. And I mean, USC is a national brand. So, I mean, oh, I'm I, not knocking him for taking the I job. I get it. But I hate the fact that he moved to a division rival. I know that happens in sports, it happens all the time. It just uh, doesn't sit well with this Ute fan. So, Kyle. We'll see you in Salt Lake next year, buddy. Enjoy Rice Eccles I like, I from like the, the opposing sideline. like the hire in his place. Though. I love the hire. Quinton Ganther, former Ute running back. He's been at Weber State, spent the last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, under Urban Meyer. Number 13. Under Urban Meyer for 13 weeks. <laughs> I Okay, we know... There has been some kids that have come to Utah because of Quentin, even though he was at Weber. Even while he's Kyle McDonald was the running backs coach. He's been a Ute in his heart, and having him back in the, in the program as a position coach, I love it. I, I firmly believe this is like a Colton, Colton Swan hire uh, on the offensive side of the ball. No, I, I think it's I think it's going to be good. He's an Oakland guy. He's got roots there. He's got connections. A lot of talent in the, in that area of California, and and the dude bleeds bleeds crimson red, baby. I mean, uh, I I think it's I think it's a perfect fit. He's got the great. He's got a great mentality. He's got a lot of energy, and and he's a Utah guy, right? So he already, he already knows Kyle. He already knows this program. And he knows the expectations, and uh, I, I, I think it's a great fit, and I'm, I'm excited to have him back. And I know, you know, I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter talking about, oh, but can he recruit at this level? I, I firmly believe coaches at that FCS level are great recruiters because they have to be great scouts for talent because they're picking the leftovers, kind of the, the bar- bottom of the barrel of players. Not to be rude. Um, but it's really the guys that that couldn't make it into a Division One school. Well, especially when you're recruiting at Weber State, you're looking at you're looking at BYU and saying, "Okay, we're going to go after the same guys that BYU goes after," and you're just you're just getting anybody else who didn't commit to BYU. <laughs> I was like, really going on with you. I was like, when when are they going ahead of BYU? <laughs> Did you see me chuckling? I was dead serious with that take. That's staying in. <laughs> but but you know, with that being said, at this point, does does the running back room not recruit itself here at Utah? I mean, they could hire Ryan tomorrow. <laughs> they could hire Cam. They could hire me. And guess what? We could still probably sign a four star kid, just because of the expectation, the history, and that running backs know. If I go to Utah, they're going to pound the rock over and over and over again. What running back does not want that? Especially in today's game where everybody throws it all over the field. See, and, and Quinton knows that, and that's how he has helped lead kids to the U. And so for fans that are worried about his recruiting ability, he's been doing it, guys. Oh, yeah. Why did I, I go all Joe Biden I, and just like whisper? Hey. Why are you touching Ryan's <laughs> neck right now? Don't unbutton his shirt. <laughs> Ray, what are you going to say? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we've really gone off the rails on that one. Uh, and then another coaching change. Defensive tackle coach Puha decided to hang it up, at least for now. Uh, maybe spend some time with family or whatnot. So Utah goes out and gets another former player, a former All-American, Luther Ellis, to come in and be their defensive tackles coach. Another, I was excited for that one. That was a curveball. I, w- I think we're all over expecting Quinton Ganther for running backs. Mm-hmm. I don't know many were expecting Luther Ellis for this position. I know Jason Kafusi's name was kind of getting thrown around there. He's coaching down at Arizona. I, w- I would be surprised if that happened because he just went to Arizona this offseason. Well, and, and there may be some, some bad, bad terms blood between him and he Utah. He maybe didn't go to Gary Anderson's staff under the best. The best terms we can say. And he didn't leave. He, as he left, he didn't. So re- we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But so 
Uh, Luther Ellis has been at University of Idaho as their D-line coach. Uh, obviously, his kid is in the program here at Utah. It, it just I think it's another exciting thing, another exciting piece to bring uh, another player who knows this Utah program, who's had success at every level at football, now coming back and being a part of the staff. Well, not only was he an All-American at Utah, he had a very long and productive NFL career. He he knows the position, and uh, and he's done well at Idaho, too. So, again, like I'm stoked. I love Kyle McDonald. I think he's a great coach. I really like uh, Puha. I think he's an excellent coach. But the fact that you're able to kind of reload with – Utah guys is a home run for Kyle and his staff. And it's just not a pu- publicity stunt reload. Like these, you're bringing these guys in because they're, they're Utes and what, these guys know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they played the position at the top collegiate level. They've, they've both played in the NFL. They both have coaching experience. I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a home run on both, both situations. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was, when I saw when I saw it last night on Twitter, I was pretty surprised by it. But I I, I found an article, I read the article, um, and I saw a video that the Idaho Vandals actually did last year um, on him and his coaching. And I left after watching and reading that, really excited about his energy level. Apparently, up at Idaho, he's he's the coach on the sideline that just brings the energy. You know, he's just getting guys ready to play, which as great as Sione Puha was, he personality-wise, complete opposite. He's a very kind of low-key, quieter guy. So I, I like that. I like getting some guy who's going to be on the sideline that's going to bring some energy to these guys. Um, and, uh, and, and you watch him as, as he coaches, and, and he clearly knows what he's doing. I, I think the only question mark I have with uh, Luther Ellis is his ability to recruit and his contacts currently in place in the recruiting process and in and in doing so. Now, obviously, defensive tackle is also kind of one of those positions that kind of recruits itself here at Utah. And so I think he's going to do just fine. Um, but again, Cam, to your point, I like the hires. I think, I think they're both really good. And I think it also cements the idea Kyle does not like hiring unknowns. It's true. And you can also go to the or point to the fact that Utah's at a place now where they don't have to go out and take a gamble on somebody. They they could probably go out and get anybody they wanted for these positions. Oh, people are dying to be on Kyle's staff because of his there's longevity. Continuity. And there's job security in an industry that where job security does not exist. So there is a former coach, a former Division One coach I've I've talked to, who said that he would only come back into coaching if it was under Kyle because of the job security that's there. Guys are fighting. When did you talk to Urban? <laughs> Guys are fighting tooth and nail to get under Kyle because they know their job will be safe because Kyle isn't going anywhere. Well, and and if you look at it, Kyle's staff has very little turnover. There's been some guys, obviously, that have taken other jobs. Unless you're an OC. Yeah, well, unless you're an OC. <laughs> it looks like he, he may have landed on somebody, though. So he, he's found his love in, in Ludwig. He said Ludwig was his last uh, OC. And, but the, there's... Kyle has built a, um, a program that is a family, right? And now you could, you could legitimately argue it's a majority Utah family. It's Utah alums that are have played together, coached together outside of a few guys, outside of Ludwig, outside of Swan, and and outside of uh, um, Winningham's brother. Interesting and phenomenal when you think about it. Like he's, he's coached these guys, and they have become excellent college coaches themselves. Yeah. He coached them as athletes, and now they're learning – the ropes of being of the when, coach. And you even look at the hire of, of Bumpus last year, right? He was he, he was a GA here, mm-hmm. right? He knew the program, he knew the expectations, and Kyle knew him 
knew how he coached, knew that if he brings him in, he, he, there's no learning curve. They don't have to train this guy to know the Utah way, to know how things should go. And, and I think that's why Kyle keeps such a small pool of candidates is because he does not want to go. He's hiring from Weber State or he's hiring guys he knows because he does not want to run into another Christensen. When, and you saw it with Stubblefield, who just was not a, just a fit culturally. And so I think Kyle, you know, he knows what he wants and he doesn't want to, as you said, Ryan, he doesn't want to take gambles. And I don't think he wants to spend time teaching coaches how to fit in at Utah. Mm-hmm. And he He's knows picking, his model. Yeah. He knows his expectations. And if he knows he can trust that coach to fulfill that, I think that's all he asks of these guys. Well, I'll take it one step further because you call out the two guys that weren't here, Ludwig and Swan. Swan coached under Hill at Weber State. Exactly. Who was part of Kyle's coaching tree. Yeah. Yep. And then with Ludwig, Ludwig was here well, and- during the Sugar Bowl year. And so Kyle's already familiar with him. He's already familiar with the program. So I think that just goes back to your point, Scott, of Kyle really bringing in his family. I mean, guys that don't have to learn a system, too, because the system is Kyle Whittingham's. And Luther played under Wits D. Which is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, you're you're bringing in guys who he he knows and trusts, but know what he wants, knows how to execute it, and knows how to coach it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's there's definitely knocks out there. I think from within the own fan base of you know Kyle needs to go and open his pool a little bit more. But can you well, argue? It's working. Can you? That's the thing. Can you argue with the results? Either Kyle is coaching. He he is either surrounded by inferior coaches, which then makes him the best coach in the history of the game with what he's doing, or he's taking guys and making them elite coaches. Yeah. And I think it's the latter. I think it is too. And we we've all sat here, all three of us have sat here and, you know, had our gripes about it, how he's done certain things, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but you you can't honestly not what he's done since he's gotten the Pac-12. Well, even before the Pac-12. They went to the Sugar Bowl before that. Well, nobody in today's game, nobody lasts at a school as long as he has. Especially, I mean, obviously he's been defensive coordinator and head coach over the span of, what, nearly 30 years? But even as a head coach, you don't have head coaches for this long in today's game. Mm-mm. It's a very short-lived deal. And the continuity, the longevity, and and now you're seeing. I mean, he's he's kind of peaking, yeah. even though he may be at the end of his career. He's peaking right now, and all of his hard work and everything that he's been building, he's now seeing the fruits of it. And he's got a reputation as one of the best coaches in the game. And I know we don't need to go down this road, but I am scared to death <laughs> when he leaves depends on who they I'm I mean, not I'm I'm not just because I think Kyle will leave the program in, in great hands I don't think he'll leave until he knows who's going to be his replacement no I, oh, I don't I, think he's going to leave I, I agree by. with both of that but once he's done his control is gone he can hand pick his successor. He can have the cupboards completely stocked. He can have the program rolling. Unless he But if you get a guy who doesn't know what he's doing or makes some bad decisions, it can go south quick. Especially if you've got if Lincoln Riley gets things going at USC, if Chip Kelly can get to the next level. I mean, and then we got Arizona, they're clearly cheating. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> They win what one game, and they're pulling in all these uh, top twenty-five recruiting class. Yeah, that's gnarly. Oh, I'm telling you, they went to the school of Sean Miller. How to cheat and football is now doing what basketball's doing. But uh, Here, here's how Whittingham keeps control after he's done coaching. He becomes the AD. 
He does. Well, he does have in his contract that he will be a consultant for the athletic department he does. for 10 and years. And there was a rumor when Harlan was hired that Kyle threw his hat in the ring for that job. Really? I hadn't heard that. Really? I'm not I'm not going to sit here and substantiate any of it cuz I can't, but there was a rumor. And if if he is no longer coaching, does he does he want to be the figurehead of the of the athletic department moving forward? Well, if 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 he wants to, that's one way of picking his successor and making it successful. And and getting Harlan out the door. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I hope he picks up his chair with Harlan still in it and just places him on the curb. All right, so that will do it for this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You can find me, but before you find me, you know, we didn't talk about these uniforms. <laughs> Oh, the Rose Bowl uniforms? Those Rose Bowl uniforms. Those were fantastic. Were those not out of this world amazing? Yeah, what are we doing with these black, red, white combos? When we can sport something that looks that good, what are we doing? Those are the same uniforms we wore when I went down to the USC game. They're just they're just oh, with that, sharp and that, without the rose. I mean, with that yeah. rose there made it just spectacular. It needs a little gray. <laughs> Beautiful. Or a beehive. Scott, oh, and a beehive would have been perfect for the it Rose Bowl. Beautiful. Scott, where beautiful. people find you on Twitter? Uteman underscore forever. It's going to be a long off season because basketball does not exist at Utah. So we'll see you in the spring. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Utah Man Podcast, at our home, UtahManPodcast.com. Anywhere listen to a podcast, we are there. And just a big shout out uh, to all you listeners for supporting us year after year. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. Keep it going. We appreciate it. Go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. You guys are like twins. Do you remember the movie Twins? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Danny, I'm <laughs> you're Danny DeVito. I'm Arnold. <laughs> I, I'm Arnold. <laughs> Have you looked in the mirror? You're Danny DeVito. <laughs> He's like three feet taller than you. <laughs> Who, Danny DeVito? <laughs> no. <laughs> I sure hope Danny DeVito is not three feet taller than you. He's three five. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Every time I picture Danny DeVito, I picture him as the penguin in Batman. <laughs> <laughs>